Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It is The Great Game with Matthew Errett, and I am your host, V the Grill Economist, and the airwaves are broadcasted and stabilized by the one and only CJ, who's working at making sure that the flux capacitors and the dilithium crystals are at full power. And we have Matthew Errett with us again. He is the man, the myth, the legend. You can find him over at the CanadianPatriot.com, CanadianPatriot.com. I'm sorry, dot org and risingtidefoundation.net, canadianpatriot.org and risingtidefoundation.net. You can also subscribe to the Substack, which I recommend you go there and you do it. And with that being said, Matthew, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, V. Hey, CJ. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. We uh, survived a couple of couple of elections, one that actually means something, the other one uh, that I think is a bit of a show in Canada and in Russia. Yeah. Uh, so we just yesterday we how did, uh, how did Trudeau, Mr. Blackface yeah. himself, for the third time? This time they showed him with a picture of even a more blacker face. He was so black he was off black. How did he survive and survive for another uh, to fight another day? Even though he doesn't have the majority in Parliament, which I don't even think it means anything at, at all at the end of the day. This whole parliamentary nonsense. Yeah. No. I mean. I... <clears throat> You, you got to first understand, uh, Trudeau is a, a creative genius. Uh, he is uh, just a beautiful soul who just operates in a different world. So what applies to us uh, does not necessarily apply to geniuses like well, Trudeau. He's a, he's a genius. Uh, he's a drama teacher, former drama teacher, and part-time ski instructor. Oh, yeah, and he knows it. He yeah. knows it. Like when he, when he was uh, marketed first uh, in this elite club in Montebello, Quebec, where you had all of these like rich oligarchs uh, who run the Canadian deep state in 2006, they, they marketed him and, and uh, it was run by a think tank called Canada 2020. Um, and all of the big players were there uh, just to sort of talent search, you know, and, and he walked in to this upper crust thing as, again, a drama teacher uh, and ski instructor, right? That's that's his background, his claim to fame as the son of of... A, a pretty intelligent, albeit sociopathic, uh, Castro. Prime Minister. But he walks in with it with uh, shoeless, right? He doesn't wear shoes, and he just thinks that you know he's he's in his own little bubble. Uh, he and so he believes the hype, um, and it works for him because the media is all in on it. And just before the elections, Ezra Levant, who's a sort of yeah. um, alternative media, one of the few people who yeah, are the, the Rebel News, thing. Rebel News, yeah. He released. He did a Freedom of Information Act uh, request and got the uh, the names of all of the the media outlets that received uh, money bribes in the before the election. Uh, it was a sixty one million dollar package, a pre election crisis pandemic package as a thank you gift for all of the media and other companies who are doing such a good job keeping Canadians informed and giving Canadian government of Canada information to the people in the most responsible way. And it's like. Everybody, I mean, every every single major outlet and journalist was was on this thing. Um, so it was a giant. I mean, the the nation as a whole is a giant psyop. Yeah, and, it is. And uh, you want to know something? The, the, I think one of our guys, Mad Max, he said Trudeau's Canada's AOC. He doesn't. I don't think Mad Max awesome. realized how true of a statement that is because awesome. when you look at uh, how AOC got elected, she she was a walk on. She was she was a casting couch call. Right, it was it was a joke, almost like a reality show parody for a congresswoman. Right, mm -hmm. to walk on tryout. Mm -hmm. All right, and the same type of modalities that were there to groom a likable, you know, good on the eyes kind of camera guy like Trudeau is mm -hmm. the same thing that they're doing with AOC here in the United States. It's the same thing. No qualifications, a total blithering idiot, but they get away with murder. You know, since we're talking about this, it's actually worth pointing out that this this was I, I just published a, a paper 
on the history of this operation and how the Fabian Society of Canada took control of the Liberal Party back in the 1950s. Because before that, the Liberal Party was actually the party of progress uh, throughout World War II, um, all the way through the, the 15 years after World War II, all of the biggest projects Canada has advanced to become the first country to produce supersonic uh, planes, the, the Avro Aero. Uh, the, we're the second country to have civilian nuclear power. Uh, the biggest infrastructure products online were, were all under the Liberal Party. However, that's a ver very different beast from the thing we came to know from the 1960s onwards. So what the hell happened? So I wrote an article on that. Um, and it was essentially the, this, the Fabian Society Party was set up in the uh, 1931 as part of a planned fascist takeover to solve the Great Depression, which was, I mean, you know, Canada was hit just as hard as the U.S., people starving in the streets after the economic bubbles were all popped in 1929, right? And so the solution was different variants of fascism on the Quebec level. You had a Nazi named Adrian Arcan, uh, who, in, who was giving, you know, presentations at New York's Madison uh, Square Gardens to 25,000 American fascists, uh, you know, on the federal level, it, it didn't take that form. It took a, the form of these Fabian Society social engineers who was this this party was called the 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 League of Social Reconstruction because they wanted to reconstruct society under a, a new uh, world order um, under scientific management. And it was set up by by five Rhodes Scholars and a Fabian. Um, and so it created its own political party, and that became known as the NDP. And that's what Pierre Elliott Trudeau himself was a part of as a Fabian in his own right, mm. who came back from the London School of Economics in the 50s. So anyway, um, it wasn't getting anywhere. Like it, the, the problem was the momentum for the belief in sovereign nation states, the belief in freedom of the individual was still far too strong. And so the type of mandate to get rid of capitalism and just create a social... Uh, a, a new uh, social engineering, you know, system w wasn't really appealing to the uh, electorate in Canada. And so they just had to basically like a virus take over a cell that was relatively healthy, the, the Liberal Party, when they saw that they couldn't get power. And that's where, where Trudeau was actually talent searched himself at the same place that his son was also talent searched in wow. Quebec. Um, and they be and in um, there's a biography by, Mor you know, Maurice Strong, right? Yes, of course. Okay. We will not allow another nation to develop like the United States. Maurice Strong. And, and he's also the guy who said that it's the responsibility of, of the leaders of the world to make sure that industrial civilization collapses to save the environment. Yes. Um, so that guy was a part of the team, and he talks about this in a biography called Cloak of Green. He's sort of the founding father of the modern environmental movement. He worked with Prince Philip, uh, all these crowds in the sixties to create this new structure of imperial control masquerading as protect the environment. And, um, and he, he was actually on the selection committee where they, they looked at uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, a couple of other guys, uh, Pelletier, uh, Marchand, who were his, they were called the three doves in 1963. And they were like, okay, you got talent. And they saw maybe, you know, 20 people. And they're like, okay, you, you, and you, I, I we, you, you could speak well, you, we can market you as a new Beatlemania. And they got them to switch the, from the NDP to become liberals immediately. They immediately installed them into the government. Like they made sure that they got elected right away in 65. And, and within like a hair's breadth, um, that's not even the right word for it. But right away, Pierre Elliott Trudeau becomes justice minister and then prime minister uh, by 1968. But the whole thing, you, you know, you're bringing up this, this Hollywood type of thing. It was sold as Trudeau mania. They literally used the Beatles model. Where they were like, you know, they, that's how they got the Beatles. You know, it was a military industrial firm, ENI, from Britain that like talent searched these guys who were like playing in uh, in brothels and stuff without that much talent. And they're like, okay, let's just find some raggedy haired, you know, group of 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 poppy uh, kids. Could have been any band. And they're like, okay, you. Let's give them a bunch of music to play, and let's pay when they let's let's make a, a, a an event out of it, so that when they come to the when they get when they get off the plane to go to the Ed Sullivan show, we're gonna have a whole bunch of 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 high school girls that will bring to the airport. We'll just pay them to scream at whoever comes out. Like they're really happy. Sure. The girls didn't have a clue. <laughs> they didn't even know who was on the plane. They didn't know what a beetle was. They're like, why are we celebrating for bugs? Whatever. We're getting paid. Uh, and they screamed them. The media was all there to take pictures of the screaming girls. And, and you know, the next day he's on Ed Sullivan they're, they're on Ed Sullivan and it's just the psyop. That's all it is. Um, and that, that's exactly what they did with Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Women were like wetting their, their panties to, to like just touch his hair oh in uh, the lead up to the elections in 68. And uh, yeah, it's it's all just pure marketing and fraud. It's not, there's nothing genuine there. 
You know, it's remarkable to see how so much of this consent is manufactured. It's Mm. incredible. Whether it's choosing leaders or whether to wear a mask and take a jab, it's all Mm. manufactured. It's unbelievable, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And there's just enough... You know, Hollywood is complicit in this thing, too. You know, like and back in the time in in the 60s, you still had a fight. I think you still have a little like there are still some good things that come out of Hollywood. Well, but liberals for the most were part, still liberals back then, you know, for the most part. I mean, they, they, they'd they yeah. be aghast. You know, they were anti-war. They were, you know, against a lot of the corporate co- corruption. I mean, there was a lot of good things liberals had. I mean, back then, I, yeah. I would agree with like a, a great majority of what your typical liberal would talk about. Well, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we, I think we need to have a discussion about that that, that makes sense yeah, now yeah. it's well, just like it's it's so polar opposite you got the far right you got the far left and, and to create trust building measures to get rid of nuclear weapons and work together it sounds familiar sounds familiar huh where have i seen <laughs> this plot recently <laughs> and this is what jfk was like because this is based on a book and jfk loved the book he was like okay frank and Hammer, you have everything you want we'll give you the secret service to like work with your uh your your producers and of course, JFK himself was an, in a huge fight. He understood that people like Lyman Lemnitzer, the head of the Joint Chiefs, uh, was a part of this plot with Alan Dulles and others to not just create this coup. So it was a warning to the American people, Operation but also Northwoods. Yeah, that, that's right. That exactly. That well, you want you want to tell your viewer the viewers what the Operation Northwoods was? Oh yeah, uh, Operation Northwoods. Northwoods was a, a wonderful operation where our loving, uh, you know, deep state within the United States thought it was a wonderful, bu- brilliant idea. And L.L. Limitzer and McNamara, these guys wrote off on it. They presented the plan to Kennedy, and Kennedy said, you guys are out of your gourd, and he shelved it. And what it basically was is basically uh, setting off bombs at American military bases, blame it on the Cubans, uh, take down a, a, a fake airliner filled with uh, students, college students on vacation, you know, blow it out of the sky, blame it on the Cubans, all as a pretext. Yeah. I mean, set off bombs in Miami as well as Washington, D.C. and blame it on the Cubans, all as a pretext to go to war with Cuba. Yeah. That's what Operation uh, Northwoods was. And on September the 11th, 2001, Operation Northwoods got dusted off and it went active. Exactly. Yes. And JFK was horrified by this, like you said. Um, and, and so he understood that part of this battle was the education of the the aesthetical and moral and intellectual education of the citizenry to understand these dynamics. And so, you know, the works like the Manchurian Candidate, like Seven Days in May, uh, were vital. Judgment at Nuremberg as well. Stanley Kramer, vitally important movie in 1960. Uh, showcasing the involvement of, and it's a Spencer Tracy movie, really good. And it, it goes through the involvement of the banking and industrial firms of Wall Street and the West that were backing up eugenics and Hitler. Um, and it won the Academy Awards. So it just showed you that, I mean, there was a fight. There was this mafia Freemasonic evil thing taking over, you know, the Aleister Crowley, uh, Aldous Huxley networks taking over big chunks of Hollywood. But at the same time, Walt Disney, somebody threw out that. Yeah, there's some good Disney movies. I've, I've, but yeah, he was a yes, yes, he was an opium popping uh, <laughs> social engineer too. I'm waiting uh, for him to be resurrected. Yeah, isn't his head cryogenically frozen or something? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if they have ever developed the technology, I want them to mount his head on a Labrador, a Labrador <laughs> retriever. That's what I want. Yeah. I think that was a yeah. That could be a skit in future or something. I want him I want... as my pet. It <laughs> <They> won't. <laughs> Good. Yeah, right. You you humanized animals for uh, <laughs> for decades now. <laughs> I know it's poetic justice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that being said, what JFK was striking at um, was something vital to completely shift the the rules of the international order. And if he had survived, and if his brother had also survived, who was about to become president in '68, keep in mind, right? Um, who was working very closely with Martin Luther King, the world would be a very different place after 16 potential years of the of Kennedy policies. Um, and just looking at the three years he was alive in power, I mean, I, I sent CJ and you a, a little a little speech um, on a game changing speech that is very undervalued. And it, it today or yesterday was the anniversary of this, uh, the 58th anniversary of this speech, which was an offer to the Russians in 1963 United Nations. So why don't you go ahead and play exactly? Then he makes a startling proposal. Finally, in a field where the United States and the Soviet Union have a special capacity in the field of space, there is room for new cooperation, for further joint efforts in the regulation and exploration of space. 
I include among these possibilities a joint expedition to the moon. Space offers no problems of sovereignty. By resolution of this assembly, the members of the United Nations have forsworn any claim to territorial rights in outer space or on celestial bodies and declared that international law and the United Nations Charter will apply. Why, therefore, should man's first flight to the moon be a matter of national competition? Why should the United States and the Soviet Union, in preparing for such expeditions, become involved in immense duplications of research, construction, and expenditure? Good. So let's say you have to read an incredible... Yeah, these... the end of it was more... <laughs> yeah, I think these these grammar gra grammarly ads are are really brainwashing. Yeah, that, that was it. Yep. So that was brilliant. That was th yesterday was the twentieth anniversary of that speech, and um, and this was done again just three weeks before he was he was killed. You know, his the anniversary of his death is coming up November twenty twenty second or twenty third. Um, so four weeks before before he was murdered, just a few weeks before that speech, um, Kennedy had. Uh, you know, successfully passed the nuclear test ban treaty in the atmosphere for atmospheric uh, uh, bomb tests um, for the hydrogen bomb and other things, which the Russians agreed to as the first of a series of trust building measures that sprang out of this different type of, of anti-Cold uh, War spirit, because the entire Cold War was premised on the idea that the former allies that beat Hitler in the fascist, the Wall Street, London-backed fascist machine of, you know, in the 1930s and 40s, um, that alliance of the U.S. and Russians and also Chinese together uh, would have to be crushed and turned, they would all have to be turned into enemies. And uh, people like Eisenhower, who had a lot of problems, but w still was of the view that the Cold War shouldn't happen and we could create a world of trust and cooperation built on scientific progress. Um, and he tried. Eisenhower first, who again, organized Kennedy massively. Eisenhower, as well as Douglas MacArthur, both we did a lot of work to organize the mind of young Kennedy going into the office to understand the terms and conditions of what this military industrial complex deep state thing was. But Eisenhower tried to meet with Stalin until, and the only thing that stopped this meeting from happening as part of his crusade for peace was Stalin's untimely death, probably at the hand of uh, some people working in the medical profession around him. Um, he tried it again with Khrushchev until there was a, a, an Alan Dulles uh, sponsored sabotage with a CIA jet that was that was <laughs> guaranteed to not have enough fuel to avoid crashing in the uh, in Soviet territory whereby this this idiot fighter or the, I, I, I didn't know if he was an idiot maybe he was just a pawn maybe he didn't know what he was getting into but they made sure that he was carrying his CIA identity cards with him uh, the day before the two days before the meeting between Eisenhower and Khrushchev was supposed to happen to resolve the Cold War um, and that just completely disrupted everything and so Kennedy tried again to revive this idea that maybe we don't have to live in a world of uh, mutually assured destruction. Maybe we could create a new type of dynamic and break the rules of the game that were being run by people like the Rand Corporation. Yeah. You know, the game theorists who are trying to keep every everything in mathematical equilibrium so that everybody could be could live under a world of terror all the right. time as part of their social engineering. Because what's the best way to break somebody? as they discovered in MK Ultra, is you terrorize the hell out of them. You infuse lots of drugs, shock therapy onto the patient. They did this work in Tavistock in Britain. They, they carried this forward with um, the work in MK Ultra. Um, and then you, they, you make them very uh, susceptible to not only breaking down their old identities by giving them all sorts of tricks, right? Uh, giving them opposing rewarding them for, for thinking one thing one day and then punishing for thinking the same thing the next day. So giving people contrary stimulation uh, based on behaviors, techniques, drugs again. And um, that's what we have today. It's been that's perfected. What created. That's why people voted for Pierre Elliott Trudeau and then yeah. Justin Trudeau and AOC. That's yeah. why they, they, I mean, they were not called a double think, right? Having two yeah. opposing realities that are completely contradictory to one another, but mm. yet being totally and profoundly comfortable with holding those two diametrically opposed realities. Case in point, well, we need to have the jab, and we need to protect the unjabbed from the jabbed. 
Yes. Or the jab from, like, you got to protect those who are vaccinated from the unvaxxed. But the point of the vaccination is to make sure that you are protected to begin with. So yes. why are you worried about it? So the guy next to you is not vaccinated. It seems mm-hmm. it, it, it's incredible how they play this off, man. It's classic NLP. Yeah, exactly. It, it, all of the definitions that we knew from science for for hundreds of years are all changed. Now we have a new science. And in fact, I think I was telling you this a few weeks ago. I was, I was listening to a report. There was an a, in the radio. They had um, a bunch of teachers and some doctors talking about, you know, now that schools have reopened, what are we going to do to um, make sure that teachers are safe and students are safe now that they're letting them come out of their their bubbles in some some circumstances and, and high school kids are increasingly vaccinated, but not all of them. So teachers are afraid. And one of the doctors coming on was saying, I just wish that we could agree on a, sim- a simple set of standards that we all agree to. But things are changing so much. And the and the, the radio host said, yeah, but and this is probably one of the radio hosts that got the money from uh, the federal government. Uh, was saying, yeah, but we know that uh, this pandemic has taught us that science science is now fluid. Everything we thought was 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 science yesterday is now going to be different, and we have to be prepared to always adapt to the times. And the doctor said, "Oh yeah, you have a point." And I was I was cursing my yes. ass off in yes. the car. Science is fluid, like my gender, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, right. Everything today is I fluid. am no longer identifying as peanut butter. I am today jelly. And everybody's brains turned to jelly, right? And coming through the the the. Look, at if Kennedy's policy for NS, NSAM 263, which was his policy to start removing troops from Vietnam, he would have ended the Vietnam War. He would have created a condition where uh, cooperation could have happened. He would have stopped the the construction of new nuclear bombs. Um, the, the, the type of, of cultural climate that young people would live in in that type of world where you have peaceful cooperation, scientific progress. He was investing in the biggest infrastructure uh, water diversion projects for the continent that would have en- made sure that there would have been no water crisis in California if if Kennedy's stated designs and those of his brothers had been permitted to not be sabotaged. The, 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 the people's brains, students would not have turned to jelly. They wouldn't have just wanted to escape reality with sex, drugs, and other forms of, of escapism because reality would have been something you wanted to live in. You wouldn't have been seeing your brothers and, and your 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 fathers coming home in, in body bags from fighting in a, a Vietnam War or Cambodia or whatever else. It wouldn't have been part of your psyche. That trauma wouldn't have been there. So the baby boomers would have been a very different, uh, morally strong uh, generation than the unfortunate uh, thing we tend to see very dominant amongst uh, that generation, which has a lot of outliers and a lot of great people, but they've been through such unnecessary trauma that it's made them very and and their their progeny increasingly softer and softer on the mental level, such that you know good people are now doing what you've just said, begging begging for uh you know a bit more security to from a non-existent crisis like like COVID or global warming, even if it means getting rid of all of the freedoms that their their you know grandfathers and great 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 grandfathers for generations have fought for to give them all of that can be sacrificed now. Yeah. Just to give us a little bit of security, and hell, you know, even if it means potentially eliminating the human race under <laughs> shutting down uh, viable energy sources or injecting bizarre mRNA, mRNA or CRISPR-oriented technology into our bodies for the next decades of our life as we learn to live with this virus, like you know, the, weren't vaccines supposed to? help you build antibodies and develop herd immunity so that viruses go like stop yeah instead no now we're being told no the new science is we have to learn to live with the virus maybe forever as what (laughs) let's not do antibody testing i don't know if you saw the project veritas bombshell video that was released today i i know surprisingly it's still on youtube is it not cj it is what yes. is it? What? Okay, so what's exploded onto the scene? I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't a want federal it. employee who is a nurse, a registered, uh, a registered nurse, you know, who has a master's degree in nursing. Um, she blew the whistle and she came out with a video, and she's in the this uh, um, um, you know, Health and Human Services HHS federal hospital, taking care of uh, the native populations that have been impacted by the coof. And uh, you hear the doctor saying this whole this whole jab. Okay, is just bullshit. It's BS. It doesn't work because a great majority of the people that are coming in that are coming in with all these symptoms that are getting hospitalized are those that took the jab, including young people who have suffered heart attacks and strokes because of it. 
fifteen year old boy with pericarditis, and they need to move him to a a facility that has a cardiovascular specialty to it because he's suffering congestive heart failure. Wow. Fifteen. Wow. It's crazy, man. But this is the video. Uh, if you get, when you get a chance, go check it out, man. It's incredible. I'm I'm shocked Most that it's still up. Two point five, yeah, two point five million views, and it's still up. Wow, that's weird. That's weird that they allowed that to stay up, I and mean, it's great uh, that this anomaly happened. Um, but for sure, I mean, just looking at the uh, <clears throat> the anomalies in the in, in I, I think back in the seventies when we had the uh, the swine flu in seventy six and they did a mass vaccination campaign, there was something yeah. like I don't know sixty deaths or something by the vaccine uh, adverse reactions, yep. and they immediately took the vaccine off the market. Off. They stopped after like they did the same thing with the with the swine flu in 09. And guess who was heading that thing? The Fouch. The Fouch, Anthony Fouch, right. who was heading it in 2009, and right. the Fouch was pushing it for for kids five years old and up. And they started experimentation trial runs on five year old kids who started hmm. having adverse reactions, and then they and then they came in, they shut that thing down. But the Fouch was pushing it, and he's back. This rat faced little guinea is back again, pushing the jab. It's incredible, man. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you, you you look at the the amount of adverse uh, reactions that are already registered, and and I mean, we're we're talking here in the what forty something thousand in terms of officially uh, recognized, and I yeah, I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands that we do not recognize. I know several that, yeah. tens of thousands of deaths included. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just going, they're doubling down now. Th- th- there's a lot of parallels between now and two thousand and nine when we had the H one N one influenza thing. Um, because it was a, it was almost a year long influenza and we were being told, I remember this, that this could mutate and become a, a black plague. So we should all be vaccinated. And, and this was happening around the same time. It began in April of 2009 and it continued until I think March of 2010. Um, I was dumber at the time I got my vaccine, but, but the, at the same measure too, it, these were not the MRNA gene no, therapies either. These viral were still vector, viral vector. Yeah. Viral vector. This is not even, you know, they're smart, Matt. And I'll yeah. tell you why they're smart. They didn't call this a treatment. They used their lackeys who are in the FDA, who are all former Pfizer and J&J employees. That's what makes up the FDA. They're all former pharma execs, right? And they, and they said, instead of going in as a squelch, the spread of COVID in the body. Okay, there's, there's, there's a myriad of treatments now, right? We have 20 months of data to back this up. But no, this is a vaccine. It's not a treatment. Mm-hmm. And it's mRNA. And we have the inventor of the mRNA technology saying this is not what it's designed for. You know, they, they yeah. even scrubbed his uh, Wikipedia entry so that they, he's no longer registered on Wikipedia, though he was before he started speaking out uh, as the, the inventor. Now that they just scrubbed disgusting. his name off of it. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> And yeah, this guy is—he's not a conspiracy theorist. He's pro-vax big time. I mean, he's—that's his his career. He's got networks and contacts all throughout the FDA. And and I mean, this guy's saying like this has gone way too far. This is complete—they've skipped animal trials, uh, human trials. They went straight from like rats to humans. They're not even finished their uh, their trials in that sense. And yet and they're, they're moving into kids. And they're moving into kids. Yeah, there's there's enough here to show us that the the, the spike proteins are uh, are causing a lot of damage. or not identifying. Uh, just the the particularly you know infected cells that have COVID. No, I mean they, they're these these spike proteins are dislodging, are are are, are latching onto all sorts of other organs, especially uh, uteruses, brain tissue, uh, things like that that affect the blood brain barrier being affected, and the T cells that recognize the spike proteins are all going on the attack on a variety of things. And this is just in the short term. We have no yeah, idea what's coming on. Muscle next. is one of them. Oh well, well, yeah. Yeah, you know, just real quick, also, just to completely redefine the definition of vaccine as well. You yeah. know, in terms of how they're labeling this, like, you know, the definition of vaccine is is you know production of antibodies to provide immunity against the one or several diseases. Where now they've redefined it and said, well, you know what, it's not, it's not to prevent it; it's just to lessen the symptoms of it. I mean, you you, you can't have it both ways. I mean, this is the the pure stupidity yeah. of them. Yeah, or the fact that you're if you've gotten. If you have the antibodies because a lot of people have had COVID, I think I had COVID, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. Now they say that 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 runs out after a few months. And it's like, wait a minute, they they ex- they they did tests on people who actually were babies and got the Spanish flu in 1918. They're in, you know, over 100 years old. They 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 traced they tracked down like 35 or 40 people and they found that they still had after 100 years 
they still had the antibodies for the Spanish flu. It's it doesn't go away. It doesn't peter out. I mean, the the effectiveness of maybe what you might want to call a vaccine well, we might, might peter see, out. Matthew, whatever the science says about uh, the robustness of the vaccine versus the uh, natural immunity, uh, it's something we have to look into. Yeah, Anthony Fauci. No, the the level of, of of corruption here, and I mean they they know better. That's the thing, and and I mean the doctor that was just filmed by the whist, by the whistleblower on Project Veritas, you know that's just, I think that's very typical of many of these doctors who are uh, either exasperated because they know that they're playing uh, a fake, you know they're faking it, um, or they're corrupt and they're just they've taken the money and they're uh, they're keeping their their traps shut. Um, it's fluid, Matthew. Remember that. Science is fluid, exactly. Is fluid. Yeah. But see, go back go back now to 2009, right? Because look at the, the world. I just finished an article where just thinking about it, not just the H1N1, but what you also had was the the near breakdown of the $750 billion, uh, billion dollar derivatives bubble economy. We were going through, uh, a, I mean, a near meltdown. People forget that the system could have melted down 12 years ago during that period when you had Lehman Brothers start the show, but the subprime defaults began happening, you had a deleveraging of the system, the bailouts had just begun, it wasn't certain what the hell the world was going to look like, and uh, and ultimately what they ended up doing is papering over the crisis, not resolving anything, creating a bunch of big loopholes like Dodd-Frank and, uh, you know, uh, what's, anyway... And just basically kicking the can down the down the the corridor a little bit, and today the bubble's much bigger. Derivatives have have increased in many regards uh, since two thousand and nine. The bubbles are bigger. The physical economic base to sustain our economy has continued to atrophy and collapse. So we have even less today than we did in two thousand and nine to rebuild. If we so, if we so chose to rebuild our economy, our real economy. But what luminaries? What geniuses? Yeah, they, they, the Barack, Obama, creme. Barack Obama, you know, this is supposed to be his baby where he was going to come are back. The de, these are the froth that you find in the urinal in a public restroom. That's who these <laughs> people are. Oh, God. Sorry, but that's who they are. They're the froth <laughs> that you see in a public urinal. That's who Western politicians are, Matthew. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that, that's a terrible imagery, but yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> we should do a cartoon on that. Um, that being said, th th so they were supposed to come back as eco-warrior celebrities to their home countries, and it was destroyed. Like, so the thing the thing was you were supposed to get binding global governance agreements to solidify decarbonization schemes for 2050. That was what they was being celebrated. And for once, we would have world government mechanisms to enforce and punish nations who failed to meet their climate reduction or their their, their carbon reduction pro, uh, quotas, uh, you know, cap and, cap and trade and carbon swaps and carbon taxes and all the stuff was going to come out of the, this agreement. And it, it, it completely blew up. Yeah. Now, apart, to, man. Today it's very similar. We got the same sort of set of ingredients. It's much more. Hey, Matt, extreme. this is the reason why they never fixed anything from two thousand eight, because all the all the purposely laid and designed uh, instruments that were designed to fail in two thousand and eight, they were supposed to go ahead and never fix it. But they never fixed it. They had their meeting, their little confab, COP fourteen, and then they were going to again implode the world, then bring in their carbon credit trading system, link it to everything in life, link it to some sort of a carbon passport based yeah. on what kind of food, how much food you can buy, where you can travel, super restrictive, and then that blew apart. And now here we are, and the only thing they got going for them is the scandemic that they're, again, if you yeah. look at the modalities for control, you know, social distancing, vaccine. You had a lot of the, the third world countries, Africa, a lot of South American, Libya, other nations who all said, no, we don't want to sacrifice ourselves." And most importantly, they rallied around China and India. Yep. And together, the, the delegates from China and India locked themselves in a room with President Bashir uh, from Sudan and many others saying, we're not going to participate in any of this insanity. We keep in mind, you know, they were reminding uh, a lot of these, these rules-based order Western delegates that look what just happened in just three weeks earlier. You had Climate Gate. You had the East Anglia email leaks from the primary um, unit, the the uh, what's the called CPCC. the climate, yeah, the, the the climate research unit at East yeah, Anglia, IPCC, which, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, they they feed all of the computer models for linking uh, human CO two to temperature changes. They feed all of that to the IPCC and, and governments and NGOs and, and schools. It's all fed by this one primary node that controls the data sets and the models that justify things like Michael Mann's hockey chart and other things. Sixty one megabytes of data was leaked. 
and made public, which demonstrated that uh, Phil Jones, who was the, uh, the, the head, the director of the CRU uh, at East Anglia, was telling all of his researchers to fudge data. Hide when, the decline. Hide the decline. Hide the medieval warming. Hide all. Basically, just ignore everything that disrupts the, uh, the model. And the conclusions, the narrative, exactly, and that went public. So that created a complete, it devastated the uh, psychological momentum needed to go into that, and it gave these world leaders the type of ammunition they needed to not uh, commit harikari on the uh, the altar of the green uh, genocide that was coming on. Yeah. So th- literally, China and India together, who today were being told they're great enemies and all this stuff. No, they saved the world. They saved hey, all of our who lives. Who was at the SCO conference this uh, this this week? That's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ahead, Matt. I don't want to. Yeah, say that. no. It, and this this is the thing, right? So now we have, and, and just to just to say, like the the Arab Spring was then unleashed, right? Because at the time you had Gaddafi, you had uh, Bashar al-Assad, you had uh, Mubarak from Egypt, and they were all working at creating an alternative anti-IMF economic zone with infrastructure galore, uh, building big projects. Um, which was totally annihilated by the the Arab Spring and what type of Soros-funded operation, including, you know, uh, Assad, who was at the time in 2009 preparing to begin his five seas development strategy to connect all of the major water pro- uh, waterways um, and seas, Mediterranean and Caspian and red and black, uh, not the black, but uh, with, with rail projects that had uh, 12 countries that had signed a memorandum of, of understanding that were all going to build this giant infrastructure project along with uh, Qaddafi's great man-made water project that was all happening and bubbling at the same time. Um, so all of these things, the, the BRI was still four years away. It still, it was, it was still a while before that would happen. They weren't sure what China was going to do. And so China and India and these guys all said, no, we're not going to do it. They, they blew up the weak, the weakest parts of that, of that, uh, arrangement of the global South. But despite that, they couldn't break the BRI and the growing multipolar alliance that just took more and more form under the the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which increasingly was, I mean, India by 2017 and Pakistan, again, two two nations that have been uh, typically enemies uh, at war with each other by the British who had had negotiated the the conflict since 1946 uh, between Muslims and Pakistanis uh, and and, and Sikhs and and Hindus um, and everything else in between. So they both became full members of the SCO in 2017. And now this week you had Iran also yep. joining and Iran had just avoided on many occasions, including 2007, Dick Cheney came close to bombing Iran and it was just avoided because you had within the intelligence community, uh, people within the NIE uh, who released the national intelligence estimate in uh, the same week that Cheney was going in for his heart surgery. Cause keep in mind, the guy doesn't really have a heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was, you know, so he was going in for surgery and that was when they chose to release the the estimate that basically said, no, Iran actually, we have no evidence that they want to build a nuclear bomb. They've, they've gotten rid of that in 2003. So that stopped the momentum again from bombing Iran. So a lot of these things that, that were going to happen that could have devastated humanity already years ago didn't happen because there's a fight. The oligarchy doesn't control everything like the way that a lot of people think they do. And just, I see that CJ's pulled up uh, yeah, the new announcement, the complicity of big, powerful factions within the Shah's Iran, as, as well as within Pakistan in funding with the help of even the Saudis in some ways, covertly in some other Western banks and the CIA and MI6, the growth of radical Islamic uh, terror. And this was unfortunately something that, and that coincided with the growth of drugs, the moving, you know, the, the development of heroin um, in Afghanistan that had moved from its primary production zones in Laos and Cambodia and and uh, Myanmar uh, into Afghanistan as part of the big new Brzezinski's operation to not only amplify global drugs as a new uh, cultural war against the world, West and East alike. I mean, the Russian youth as well as American and Canadian and European youth were all being fed this um, as part of a new opium war, but, uh, but also the, to create black budget funding for clandestine operations uh, like Islamic terrorism and stuff that were always, they were never Islamic. They were always political and they were always part of an operation to destroy nation states with the, at the time it was, it was primarily Russia, but it was every nation state today. Um, and I mean, at a certain point, you know, the Shah didn't want to play into that. People like uh, Bhutto didn't want to play into that and they were both eliminated. You know exactly. exactly. Bhutto. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Indira Gandhi at a certain point, uh, 
she had she, i mean she, you know people could complain about the uh the heavy-handedness and and uh excesses sometimes of of her approach but nonetheless she did disturb and disrupt the great game in many ways uh to bring about an attempt to bring india with the the other nations of the non- non-aligned movement into a system of economic cooperation and development the the way that we now finally see happening um here 40 years later and the fact is you know uh ben uh benazir the shah were eliminated um many leaders were eliminated so was indira gandhi so was her son rajiv in a plane uh accident that wasn't much of an accident um but now all of a sudden you you have all of these nations pakistan india iran russia china um all part of this shanghai cooperation organization process which is now creating a new cultural field wherein afghanistan has a chance to really reconstruct itself the taliban as we've spoken about in previous shows are working very hard at making sure that the ci i mean the ci have been dropping uh isis uh fighters from syria and iraq into the mountains of afghanistan um and you know there's been a recent cnn interview i was just watching where i forgot her name um, who was on the ground, got an interview with the head, one of the, the leading fighters from ISIS-K, the <laughs> Afghan variant, uh, saying that we are getting ready for jihad after all of the, 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 the foreign forces have left Afghanistan. We're currently recruiting, but then we're going to go hard on our campaign for terrorism. But we're very good at hitting aid workers, gathering uh, gallons and pitchers of water, uh, and then killing him and his uh, five kids when a drone strike, but we can't drone strike ISIS-K. Yeah, no, it's true. Eh? It's, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the U.S. had to just admit that they didn't actually hit a single uh, ISIS fighter the way that the media told us. They only hit innocent civilians and kids. Yep. Yep. Um, no, exactly. But see, the weird thing, too, is, you know, you've been seeing, have you guys heard about the Cuban, what's called the Cuban disease or something? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Havana syndrome. The Havana syndrome that's, like, uh, affecting only CIA agents and their families. Good. 600 good. or so. Good. And they're like. <laughs> I hope their brains melt and it bleeds out of their ears. The way this is being spun, though, it's it's like these are these are Hollywood scriptwriters try to say like, oh, these are obviously the the best hypothesis, and this is in the mainstream media where they're floating this type of garbage. They're saying the best hypothesis is that these are directed energy beams yeah. from a uh, a great Russia. power. Yeah, they're implying Russia yeah. uh, or China yeah. uh, to destroy our champions on the ground oh, around the such world. Champions. Uh, and it's like, wait a minute. First probably, of all, if anything, it's cocaine overdose that these idiots are doing. They're, or, they're, or they're hitting a crack pipe hard. Who knows? It's, you know, exactly. They, <laughs> so, but they're saying that type of technology exists, and yet you can't even avoid hitting a bunch of families with a giant brute force bomb, a rocket attack in Afghanistan. You, like, if you're saying that technology exists, why aren't you using that to get people to just, like, play video games or watch movies and, and like, love the, the born identity and stuff like that? And then from there, they've got this these, these idiot kids with no life experience or wisdom who are victims of the education system and culture. They want to now all of a sudden be the types of characters they've been playing in their video games. And they thus join yeah. with, again, who... And they're they're promoted... They're promoted right. to become people who make, in a certain sense, policy. Ultimately, they don't because we know that the ultimate rules of the game are controlled by people who do know how this thing yeah. works. Uh, but the, this is what we're staffing our uh, our, our intelligence community with and our, our military with are, are people who have no brains. Exactly. And, and Matt, only in a yeah. country that has never fought a war of annihilation would mm-hmm. such things even be possible. I know. Yeah. And, only but, in a country. Yeah, and then like you look options. at countries that actually have fought and and suffered and died in China and Russia, and you look at yep. their the way that they're training their young. And I mean, the fact that their China has come out, and we didn't even talk about Evergrande, I know, yeah, but I mean, China has has come out heavily uh, a- attacking the the new opium war, which Xi Jinping aptly and 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 correctly named, which was the addiction to video games, which is destroying right. the capacities of a lot of the youth by limiting it a limit uh, limiting it to only three hours and like three three weekend nights uh, of video game playing permissible. Um, that's a big deal. The crackdown on the effeminate uh, the effeminate nature uh, or project projection. No more of... simp's. No, no more effeminate men and simp's. No. What's a simp? A simp is a, a term. Uh, it, it just means like a mediocre beta male who, who chases chases after and supports crazy, out-of-control women, basically. 
Oh, okay. Like a yeah, feminist. that's like you know, like like yeah, the feminist okay. and, and and her white knights would be white knights would be considered the simps. Got you. Okay. Yes. So yeah, they're they're actually doing something about the spiritual disease, and in in the liberal West, we're like, no, you can't do that. That's that's fascism against the freedom of the youth to do whatever they want. And it's like, well, you know, if this is killing your society, this is an attack. The the people who who manufactured these cultural dynamics, these video games, and, and other things, they want to destroy you. Like that's the whole point. It's a weapon of mass destruction. This is not freedom to just be entertained. It's 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 not the same thing. Um, which also includes. You know, people have a very naive idea of what warfare is, but even in speculation, right? Like we're told we're, we, we can go to school in the West to become an economist or become work in business or management. And we we learn that activities in economics, macro and micro, but especially macro, uh, like derivative speculation and other things are legitimate. You you used to go to jail for doing stuff like that in, in healthier times. Like that's why Michael Milken went to jail for selling junk bonds. Uh, which all of a sudden, as of 1987, that became normalized and incorporated into our education system of it, young people. It's part of our financial model that if we stop selling junk bonds, the entire United States uh, economy will collapse tomorrow. Because yeah. nobody's buying our bonds except the Fed and, and the ESF. That's it. And China, which people say, oh, wants to wants the U.S. to be destroyed. And they, no, China is the reason why you haven't been destroyed yet. China's been buying up useless bonds to keep the U.S. dollar from collapsing because they they don't see it in their self interest to have their a big export market melt down into chaos. It's not. It's, it's and but that's the thing. And people are then celebrating. And this is where the Ever, Evergrande thing. Before we, we wrap it up, I I, I know we want to talk a little bit about that. I've gotten so many people writing to me this week saying, look, you've been wrong about China. They're obviously going through their Lehman Brothers moment. They're going to collapse. No, the Evergrande yeah. bubble is melting down. Junk bonds melting down. $300 billion of potential junk is going to blow up. <laughs> it's like, are you serious? Look at their economy. Look at the difference between the Chinese economy, what they based themselves on versus us. Yeah, shit like that can fuck, can rock us. Yes, that could maybe knock us down because we don't have a physical economy. It's we allowed it all to atrophy. Our long-term cycles have all been atrophied to service momentary myopic debts increasingly uh, and satisfactions and speculations. Whereas China, that's a bad thing that is in their system, but they didn't, they didn't put that as the foundation keystone of their economy. If that blows, it's a bad thing that happens, but it's not their economy. Their economy is based on physical reality. Correct. Very different thing. Huge thing. And one of the things that I'd like to add, again, for all the listeners, if you're listening for the first time, if you haven't heard me break down the whole Evergrande thing, mm. Ever, to say that Evergrande is a Lehman Brothers is literally you're missing the, 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 you know, the forest through the tree. And I'll tell you right now, first and foremost, China, Chinese debt is not systemic debt. Whatever debt and financial problems that they have within their economy, like all developed economies, the Chinese one, it, it, it's contained. It's not systemic. U.S. debt is systemic and it's global. It's a big problem. China doesn't have a derivative market like we do. Our derivative market and the currency that valuates and pegs to every single derivative and equity that is traded globally in 96 countries, all pegged to the dollar, has made the United States dollar the, the de facto global contagion du jour. China doesn't have that. Our economy, based on what is called the fire economy, finance, insurance, real estate, which is the bulk of our economy, and when it is the bulk of our economy in which the majority of economic production and attempt and, and, and capital flow goes into the fire economy, what you have, you eventually create nothing but speculative bubbles every single place you look. So therefore, your economy goes from bubble to bubble to bubble to bubble, boom and bust cycles repeatedly and constantly uh, until the whole entire thing falls apart. China's not like that. They're a production, physical-based economy. Production, physical-based economies, when there is a speculative bubble that is blown because of a, of, a, of, a, of a segment of finance, what occurs is that that contagion stays relegated to that part of the economy and doesn't spread throughout the, rampant throughout the entire system. It is a complete, it's like comparing an, 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 an apple to an eggplant. There's no comparison here, folks. And when you have a fire economy, what happens is that speculators cannot help themselves. They begin to create competing financialized vehicles and derivatives linking 
assets that have no underlying backing and then trading it all over. In other words, you have a daisy chain effects of unrelated, uncorrelated assets that are all linked up. Thus, when one asset or one firm who's over leveraged begins to buckle and blow, it sets off a complete chain reaction. And then you have a financial meltdown that you've seen in 2008. It is not even remotely close. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. People need to just let that sink in heavily. That's that's exactly it. And I mean, look, the reason why people have been confused, why is it, how is it that despite the fact that we lost our, our pro-industrial economic base back in the early 70s, we let go of that and we, we became a consumer society post-industrial order where we stopped big projects. We stopped investing in space. We, we canceled that. We stopped nuclear power investments. We canceled that all to basically maximize momentary values myopically you know with speculation that became ever more rampant as the too big to fails merged china never let go of their glass-steagall bank separation between investment and commercial banking they never allowed their their central banks to be privatized the way we all did so that these central banks are are part and complicit in an international uh financier oligarchical scheme scheme to they couldn't just take after killing bobby kennedy and, and many others after ousting Charles de Gaulle in 69, yeah. they couldn't just get a dictatorship like that. People still had too much of a sense of the sacrifices of World War II and of morality, right? They they, they had too much of, of a, a classical education still in the curriculum where you were learning Greek and Latin and you were learning to think about going to a ri- by, by reading original writings and doing constructive geometry instead of just memorizing mathematical formulae. It wasn't perfect. But it was a very different beast than the type of education system we're brainwashing our kids with today under critical race theory and, you know, common core and other other crap like that. It was a different thing. People would not have accepted that type of transformation radically. So that's where you had people like Zbigny Brzezinski write the technocrat, the technotronic age, America between two worlds. Um, And and so the idea was to to just get people to be disgusted with their freedom. And, and give them so much freedom that they wouldn't want any more. And that's that's what this whole PSYOP has been about over the past 40 years. It has not been an economy. We've been told that this weapon of mass destruction of derivatives is our economy. It's not. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And like Maury Strong said in 1990 in an interview with Elaine Dewar in Cloak of Green that people can get online, I think even still, it. It's the responsibility of the leaders of society above nation states to cause industrial civilization to collapse, to save society from itself. The ultimate enemy is mankind, is what Alexander King said, who ran the OECD, the the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development in the post-war age in the 1950s and 60s, who created the Club of Rome, who worked with Maurice Strong. This is the OECD under Alexander King is what completely shifted and changed our educational system into worshiping mathematics, postmodernist thinkers. Um, I mean, existentialism was all brought in under this type of thing to, yeah. as part of a Tavistockian operation to get everybody to dislodge themselves from the continuity of civilization that they were a part of and not trust anybody over 30, no longer break the family structure, get everybody to be nihilistic, existentialist little schmitz, and you know, ultimately be easily herded under a mob type of behavioral system where no individual would be sovereign. A sovereign, that's the whole point of, I'm going to rant, I'm sorry, but that's the whole point of the United States is that it's the first nation founded upon the idea that every citizen is a citizen, not a subject, because you're sovereign and sovereignty is found in the inalienable rights that are within you because you're made in the image of God. It's not that they were given to you by a sovereign, which is the way it always was. One hereditary elite gives you or can take away your freedoms based on circumstance that was no longer recognized as, as legit. And that only works if everybody can tap into the potentials of their own soul in developing culturally and educationally, you know, your body is going to grow up no matter what. But when you have your soul and your mind still in an infantile, materialistic, sensual state, while your body is 40, 50, 60, 70, it's the saddest thing. It's a, it's a total uh, destruction of our, of our humanity. And that's what the oligarchy did. They, they're you just, like, you, you just categorized, I'd say, a good majority of, of, of men and women in the United States. And Canada, unfortunately, I hate to say that, but I mean, that's the way if people want to really know why our society is going along with this type of COVID 
uh, global warming fascist fraud. Like it's so unreasonable to think that we would allow ourselves as a community, a collective to, to walk into our own slaughterhouse like this. Yep. It's you got to go subjective. It's there's a little bit of this in all, all of us who've been through the system. It wasn't our fault. We didn't pick the world we were going to go in, grow up in, but we our souls have been conditioned by the cultural field that was shaped for us to make us, to, to deprive us of our, our, our genius potential. We all had a genius potential when we were a baby, right? We all, we all can be, every baby can be a Da Vinci or an, or a Max Planck or an Einstein or a Beethoven. Every baby has that right now, up until now, very few babies have, have had the opportunity to, and the fortune, the good fortune of meeting good teachers and inspiration to, to awaken that passion for truth and that love of the unknown that allows us to make discoveries that are outside of everybody's knowledge, right? And contribute that poetically to, to the human species. Very few have had that, that privilege to awaken that, but still it's we're, we are told today, here's the fraud. We are told that that's for the, the special people who are kind of like crazy geniuses. They're the outliers. Everybody else is normal. Who's just willing to just adapt to whatever standards are mm -hmm. dominant in your, in your system. That's what's normal. And, uh, and the geniuses are the, and a, are the crazy it's a flip side of crazy that's what we're told by you know tavistockian psychologists or psychiatrists like uh anyway uh that that it's that you can't understand genius because it's it's just they're nuts right. uh they're kind of probably uh really really um uh, uh hedonistic as well they're, they're that's you know you get a lot of movies about beethoven or mozart like amadeus or uh, immortal beloved painting a very uh nasty picture which is fraudulent. When you read the writings of, of Mozart's letters or Beethoven's letters, they're not at all like this. They're beautiful souls, right. but we're given a false image of them so that we cannot see within ourselves any, anything similar. Right. And uh, we if can't you have to be like super talented or something like that. They make you believe that if you're going to be some, this, this outlier, there has to be something also fundamentally wrong with the genius that you also possess, that there's some sort of a, a kink in your armor, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and they, they try to make it genetic based, like you're born with it or you're not. And if you're not born with the talent, you cannot have it. And it's like, no, no, nobody's really born. You might have an aptitude where you're like inclined to find a passion somewhere, but more maybe that's more intense than somebody else. But genius can be something that is awoken if you have a good quality teacher who cares about not just stuffing the student full of information to be memorized, but rather just has that like a teacher like Helen Keller. Helen Keller's... Um, a great example of this, right? This girl who lost her, her hearing and her eyesight when she was a little baby. Um, she was fortunate enough that her parents found a teacher named Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan is somebody who believed in the soul. She was a Platonist. She believed yeah. that there was a pre-existent soul and that we were the microcosm of the universe and that everything embedded in the universe was expressed in our soul in a, in a cloudy way. And a good teacher and all good teachers think this way, that you have to find a way to awaken what was already dormant. That's all teaching is, is awake, like lighting the flame. Don't fill a vessel with, with water. Think of it as lighting a flame of passion. And that's what she did. And, and Helen Keller, look at the fruits of this. By the, you know, by the time she was nine years old, she still was living, as she describes in her own autobiography, like an animal with only basic sensual impulses. She's like, I liked ice cream, whatever that was, you know? Uh, but by the time she was like, 13, 14, she was speaking multiple languages. She was reading Shakespeare. She wrote several books, poetry. She was teaching. Um, Helen Keller, she tapped into genius and she writes about it in her, uh, uh, what's it called? It's the, um, uh, well, my life is her autobiography, but there's another one I'll, I'll email you guys. You can maybe put it in the description box Amazing of this video. Individual. Amazing individual. Oh my God. Uh, oh, I want optimism, optimism. That's it. I'm going to email you guys, CJ. I'm going to email you a, a PDF of on optimism, my philosophy of optimism. Um, it's a, it's Perfect. a short spiritually edifying essay. Please put it in the description box of this video on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. yep. Everybody listening to this has to read that essay. It's again, mind bogglingly good. So that's just how I want to end it. Uh, the oligarchy hates that genius and everybody. They want to bring it, bring us into a state where we're, we think that people like Justin Trudeau uh, or, or, uh, AOC are, are somehow legitimate human beings who are sovereign. And it's so, you could see so clearly that they're just shells. If you yourself are not a shell, <laughs> you could see what right. they are. So we got to uh, put some substance into the shell uh, of our mortal coils. Would you agree with me that these uh, rulers in, in, in Western governments, is, for lack of a better world, they, they truly are satanic. I and mean, there's something evil 
and in a bad spiritual context. Because, you know, every other type of uh, secular, um, you know, projunctive uh, psychological definition that I could give these guys, it just fails to capture the the mendacity, the evil, the the absolute, you know, abhorrent mm. thinking that these individuals are involved in and how they want to plan civilization. Uh, it, it, ni- the word nihilism doesn't even do them justice, Matt. Like, what would you call these miscreants? I mean, I mean, you've been studying their systems for quite a number of years. You have a, a, a very strong background in how these things developed, how these roundtables and these groups get together and who they talk to and their specific networks. Do these people worship something? Aware. They haven't self-examined yeah. and formed their identity around an, a serious self-examination to situate themselves within a broader uh, continuity, a broader cause. So the majority of people, uh, they're somewhere in between uh, They on the gradient. But there are some that do qualify own cosmology, their own behavioral uh, choices that they're going to make. Um, so it's a sort of self-controlling system, right? But it, it has nested layers to it. On, I think that when you start getting at the upper echelon of things, yeah, you, you, I think that there is an actual inversion of everything good. So all of the natural uh, passions that are we as human beings are designed to develop as we mature according to our nature in, in alignment with the, the creative, reasonable, beautiful nature of the universe. Um, those those tastes, those those instincts and sensibilities are increasingly turned inside out um, according to a technique that has been conditioned over many generations to start loving the ugly, loving the perverse, yeah. thinking what is ugly is is beautiful, um, which is where you start getting a lot of these disturbing pedophilia things and 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 whatever that are part of a rite of initiation that's why you could have like fat trans uh, trannies on the cover of sports illustrated illustrated yeah. swimsuit that's the effect that's the lower <laughs> level effect of that i guess yeah but people like alistair crowley i mean alistair crowley is is satanic and the fact that he was in bed like he was he was a, very close with aldous huxley uh with a lot of these upper level uh managers they're selected they're promoted uh people like helen blavatsky or or annie besant or alice bailey later on who are leaders of the, uh, the Lucifer movement? Yeah, which which creates things like the Luc- Lucifer Trust. Yep. Right. Um, that that becomes the the publication for the League of Nations publications, and even later on, the United Nations publications are. And are they changed that by to what Lucius Trust now? Lucius. Yeah, Lucius Trust is what they they named it, and and I mean, you know, they, they have a little bit of sophistry where they they wrap it, you know, they wrap it around the idea that uh, you know the Old Testament God is thus actually. Uh, an evil god and that satan is actually a promethean and that's good to to want to eat from the tree of knowledge so they have like sophistry to attract people who are like the the, eh. the idiots they, they they attract those who well, are gullible and i mean i mean there there's something there's something idealistic. i mean I, yeah I mean, exactly idealistic and yeah and and i mean there's something as soon as you start doubting the literal interpretation of the bible which i think you know, is a reasonable thing to doubt because the Bible is full of inconsistencies between the Old Testament, the New Testament. Why would God want you to want Moses to punish women and children of Medea or even of his own clan when they were, you know, the uh, getting corrupt and stuff? Why why would you do it that way? That doesn't seem like the thing of loving Canaanites and stuff. Yeah, like stuff that gets kind of brutal. It's not the type of idea that weren't even human, bro. Okay, that's another conversation. That's, that's another conversation. <laughs> but but I what think I they would were just meddled say, with on a genetic level, but that's another conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> we don't have time for that. But I would just go back to say that when you read Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, where he does talk about like, yeah, we love the Christian principles, but then he's like, but ultimately, you know, you start getting up in the degrees because he's going through which each what each of the degrees up until thirty two are of uh, of his uh, revised uh, Scottish Rite Freemasonry. He's like, ultimately, uh, God is actually uh, Lucifer. By the way, uh, you know, and I don't even know what what's in thirty. Yeah, I don't even know what's in the thirty third degree. I don't, know, but because you got to be at the thirty second, and I think somewhere along the way, like most free people who are Freemasons, or just like most people who are Jesuits, are good people. Um, but there's something that happens along the way where you're tested at each of the degrees, and if you pass a test, there's two ways of passing a test. You know, like at a certain point, you either say no, drinking the baby blood is bad and, and you're told, oh, you've passed the test, walk through this door or, okay, I'll drink the baby blood. And you're like, oh, you've passed the test. 
walk through this door. Exactly. (laughs) And then you got a you're a totally different geometry. Exactly. uh, but but the guy who didn't drink and the guy who you know he's thinking that he's on the right trajectory still because they never tell you that you're out of the club. Something like that. Where I I am going to go through uh, Darwin, the creation of Darwinism as a political tool to repackage Malthus and and Hobbes as well. Yeah. And how people like Pierre Taillard de Chardin, who was also a eugenicist working with Julian Huxley, uh, and was also in large measure a transhumanist, created the foundation of trying to splice elements of Christianity with uh, neo-Darwinism to create a new synthetic religion that people like Ray Kurzweil or uh, Yuval Harari uh, are adherence of in their own form under the fourth industrial revolution. So it's something to think about and it does cover. uh, And you know what? I'm not going to say any more about that. That's going to be a teaser for a future article and maybe our show in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Matthew Errett. The scholar and the gentleman himself, thank you for joining us again. You can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the RisingTideFoundation.net, as well as Matthew's Substack. You can find him there. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And with that being said, El Cuco, take it away. All right, guys. 